about to do? We're about to get real. We're about to have conversations that Christians have behind closed doors. The scary ones. The ones that make you feel uncomfortable. That's where we're going. Why? Because we're family. Ustedes son mi familia. So this is the Brian and Janelle podcast. She's Janelle and I'm Brian. If you don't want to miss anything, all you have to do is just hit that subscribe button to get a notification whenever we drop a new episode. This is the Brian and Janelle podcast. I got to talk about this story that came in the Washington Post. It's pretty interesting. It has to do with the intersection of evangelicals and fashion. But before we get there, I think it's helpful for us to know a statistic. Okay. Partially because it makes me sound fancy if I know yeah, a statistic. Yeah, it does. <laughs> like but partially because it helps. You, Dr. Brian. Uh, honorary. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Remember, Dr. Rydelnik gave me an gave me an honorary uh-huh. PhD. That's right. On the radio. Like, he didn't, like, mm-hmm. give me anything. It was like, just he said it <laughs> once. Uh, so, according to the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, what is the estimated median salary for clergy in 2019, do we think? I'll take this one, Ron. So th- this well, you be, can you can go after me. By the way, this would be any clergy. So across denomination, even religion, it would be like what oh, wait, would be the up. Catholic median? Priests don't. We're talking about I mean, they get paid. All oh, they do. I oh, don't sure. Know. Yeah, they get paid, but they, they probably live in a, in a parsonage or something like yeah. other people do. Yeah. So median again, and I'm not the math major in the room, Janelle, but it's not <laughs> the average; it's the middle. Yeah. Right. Good job. Woo. Okay. So that's I'm done with math. <laughs> okay. I'm just gonna throw a number out there. Most pastors are have small, right? Okay. Well, I'm not. I'm not answering that. I'm asking you. No, I'm saying I'm thinking, professor. So have small congregations. So I'm gonna say across the nation, thirty-five thousand. More, more, please. Well, yeah, it's more than that. Okay. Oh, good. (laughs) I know. I was like, guys, that's. I was thinking that's probably a pretty good guess. Now, it, it, the median, does it take, say, uh, the one superstar megachurch pastor who gets a million a year sure. and one off the bottom of the list who gets 10000 a year? Right. And then you move and you find the middle. There. How yeah. do you find the median again, Jim? Do you remember? I don't know. I wasn't sure if that was the mean or the median. Either way, the it's middle the middle number. Yes. Okay. So you, you well, order all the data points and you pick the one in the middle. So it's that simple. So it would include all those. So what, what's the median salary of in, the, in 2019 of clergy? And 35000 was low. Yes. I'm surprised because churches typically say, Lord, you keep them humble, we'll keep them poor. <laughs> yeah, well. Um, yeah. How about 45000 Hold up, Brian. Seriously? Yeah, it's not, but it's close. Oh, okay. okay. Sixty-five. That's all. Too high. Okay, Too good. High. Fifty. Okay, I'm just going to tell you because now it's just getting ridiculous. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> the median salary for clergy in 2019, according to estimates from the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics, was fifty-three thousand one hundred and eighty dollars a year. Wow. To me, I think pretty good because you you've got a few of the superstars that no doubt are making. In the millions, millions yeah, in, or several hundred thousand at least. So that's pretty good. I was afraid it would be much lower. Yeah, I guess it depends on the size of a church. But if you're even, let's say, you're Northeast Ohio, you're a pastor, 
and you've got a congregation in like I don't know a thousand people or something. I feel like it could be higher than that, and I'd be yeah. very it comfortable could, with. But that. most churches are not that, and right. I know a lot of pastors have to get jobs. Like about ninety percent of American churches are two hundred or less. Yeah. Right. So, so does it, you're not surprised. No, I mean, I feel like with that being the truth, that's a decent median. But, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. But I'm also somebody who thinks we ought to be we ought to be generous, absolutely, with our spiritual leaders. Mm-hmm. I don't like when churches get super stingy right. when they expect a bivocational clergy. I don't like when they're like, "Ah, well, you know, you're not supposed to be wealthy, so we're going to make you poor." Oh no, that's my story. You know, and I, I think that's horrible. I think we ought to be generous. Absolutely. I think really they ought to have salaries that are. Like within reason of the income level of the congregation. And salaries. Because I I yeah. want to also first of all, when I say I'm surprised, I'm pleasantly surprised. Mm-hmm. You know, my father in law oh, is a pastor and I absolutely think pastors have no most pastors, no business getting another job. I mean, that's just crazy. Isn't that terrible? Yeah, that's so messed up for them. But the family, you know, like pa- yeah. being a pastor is like twenty four Seven. I've heard stories from Len, and it's messed up. But I mean, if there's a large church in Northeast Ohio and or Western Pennsylvania, and a pastor's making seventy grand, would you be upset about that? No, I no. wouldn't either. No, and, but but what I, where I was going is, I'm glad to hear that um, a lot of them have even salaries because mm-hmm. you know a lot of it is like, well, how did we do with with offering this week? You know, like you can't, they can't count on this uh, is what yes. my salary is every month, which again. Is talking about how messed up that is, right. given all the time that's put into it. So, next question: Do do you think our opinion, the three of us, because we don't, we're not getting, you know, we don't have tons of feedback at the moment on this? Yeah, are we probably representing the average reflection on pastor salary? Yes, I think most people want the pastor to be compensated enough that he doesn't have to go out and get another job. Yeah, and we want them to live a comfortable life with their yeah. family. Yeah. So they can live, I, I would say, the average life of their congregant. Right. Yes. Without any struggle. If most of your church congregation puts their kids into soccer or T ball or something, you should be able to afford that too. Yeah. And I also right. love when Pastor Appreciation Month comes around and they pass the plate and give the pastoral staff bonuses. That's mm-hmm. right. And I love when churches give extra gifts or maybe vacations. That, I was going to say that. I love that. So yes. we're in fa- like generosity, but not excessive craziness, right? Yeah. yeah. Okay. So with that in mind, what we're going to do is look at this article from the Washington Post about an Instagram account from a random guy that has become a sensation. And what does he do? He's a guy who, who basically just looks at the fashion of church leaders and figures out what it costs. And he's got a problem. Oh, man. Hmm. We're going to get to that in just a couple of minutes. It's an Instagram account called Preachers and Sneakers. You may have heard of it. The Washington Post profiled this guy, and he talked about Christian people in this way. We'll get to it in just a minute. Hey, it's Brian. I've got one little request. Now, I'm not good at tap dancing, so I will not tap dance around it. So here it is. We need your money. Okay, that was a little direct, but it's true. We're part of Moody Radio Cleveland, and we're a listener-supported ministry. 
So people like you who listen to this podcast every week faithfully, and we're grateful for you, you are the ones who keep every episode coming out time and again. And it's not cheap to keep radio stations and podcasts running. So would you prayerfully consider a donation to this ministry? Super easy to do that. Go to moodyradio.org slash Cleveland. Again, moodyradio.org slash Cleveland. And you can follow links there to get your gift in safely and securely right now. Thanks. These boots are made for walking And that's just what they'll do One of these days these boots are gonna walk all over you Okay, so... uh We've been talking about this uh, piece of statistic from, if that's the way to say it, I'm so, <laughs> the U.S. Bureau of Labor Statistics saying that the, the median clergy salary is 53180 okay? So, and we all talked about what we feel about that and how that represents. It's like decent, but we wouldn't mind pastors making more. We want to be generous, but, sure, yeah. you know, I think there's that general tenor of, we don't want pastors getting rich off this, but they ought to live a comfortable life if they're serving us so faithfully. Yeah. yeah. If, if they're challenging uh, Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos for the richest man in history, then you're overpaying your pastor. Yeah. So that takes us <laughs> yeah. to a, a couch in Dallas, according to uh, religion writer Sarah Pulliam Bailey from the Washington Post. She's a follower of Jesus, by the way. She said from his couch in Dallas, Ben Kirby began asking questions about the lifestyles of the rich and famous pastors when he was watching some worship songs on YouTube on a Sunday morning in 2019. While listening to a song by Elevation Worship, a megachurch based in Charlotte, the evangelical churchgoer noticed the lead singer's Yeezy sneakers were worth nearly the amount of his first rent check. Wow. <laughs> Yeezy sneakers. Is that, uh, what's it, Kanye? Yeezy? I believe That's, so. Yeah, it does. I mean, I go to like Payless, so. <laughs> I can't even do that. Like, I would look at $1,000 sneakers and totally miss it. Right. You know, like, how did he even identify? You gotta well, be I mean, good. some people care about fashion. You know, I've met people like that where they, they may not be able to afford it, but they know all about it. So mm-hmm. be able to see it and say, wow, that's expensive. Yeah. That's crazy. Sure. Yeah, but to me, your point there, crazy. Yeah. I would be judging the mental capacity of a pastor who would wear those shoes. Yes. I'd well, be like, come on, dude. you got a problem. <laughs> well, keep in mind, this was the worship leader even. So yeah. So ben, ben Kirby, on his couch in Dallas, 2019, decides to go on Instagram because that's what all the cool people do. Yeah, exactly. He had 400 followers. Not that many. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's an average person on Instagram probably, More than right? Brian, though. Definitely. Oh, I mean, like hundreds more. <laughs> yeah. Probably like 399 more. Right. <laughs> and he posted this, quote, Hey, Elevation Worship, how much you paying your musicians that they can afford $800 kicks? Let me get on the payroll. Hmm. $800 shoes. And and not that we want to be two-faced, but I think what makes it worse is putting myself in, in this person's shoes, wearing it as a worship leader, like on stage, mm-hmm. you know, like not having the sensitivity to say, you know, this isn't the proper place. If you're rolling with the wealthy on the weekend because that's just where you live— that's one thing. But, you know, is that being a hypocrite? If you just say, yeah, I'm in ministry. Like, this is a ministry moment. I don't got to wear my most expensive clothes. Uh, no, I mean, I I know a lot of pastors who are very cautious about it. Like, maybe they're gifted a used BMW, <laughs> but they don't really want to drive it around at visitations and stuff because mm-hmm. it just looks funny. Yeah. It's like, 
you know, some, and, and forgive me but for this, but some old ladies, like $10 tithe. Yeah. Paying for your Beamer. You know, right. So so they're careful about it. Even if it's like a reasonable thing, perception matters, yeah. I think, to, to, to a lot of pastors. I'm sure from their perspective, though, they would say, I need to look the part. And if I want to be accepted, if the message I'm portraying is to be accepted, I have to look the part that someone would acknowledge me. Yeah. And that the Gen X or whatever, Gen Y, Z, whoever they're appealing to. Kids these days. Yeah. They they appreciate someone who would wear those sneakers. Right. Where I would call them cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. They would say, oh, he's cool. And plus, you, you'd buy off-brand Cocoa Puffs. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah. So th- this guy, again, Ben Kirby, so he's sitting there on his couch. He, he puts that on Instagram, and he's wondering, how could the church's pastor, Stephen Furtick, one of the most popular preachers in the country, afford a new designer outfit every week? With a friend's encouragement, Kirby started a new Instagram account called Preachers and Sneakers. So like Preachers, the letter N, Sneakers. Mm-hmm. Posting screenshots of pastors next to the price tags and the street value of shoes they were wearing. Within a month, he went from 400 followers to 100,000. 100,000. Just bam! What's your take on how that jumped so quickly? Because it's shocking. And a lot of us don't know, like, automatically looking at a pair of shoes, what they're worth. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I have no clue. And quite frankly, I don't care. Because, <laughs> again, I'm at Payless. That's where I go. Right. Because when lot- I saw the numbers go up, I thought of the many people who are not believers that are in that number. And that I'm wondering, man, what could, what would make them think, whoa. And, yeah. yeah. I was thinking a lot of them are going to be... Uh, "Quote unquote journalistic, um, yeah, radio show hosts, Christian radio show hosts, all across the country. Probably one or two of them subscribe just so they can kind of follow what's going on there and yeah, make fun of or praise these guys for wearing these expensive shoes. So and at, girls at the begin, yes, and girls. So at at the beginning, he said it was easy for me to make jokes about it. Some of the outfits are absurd, so mm-hmm. it's easy to laugh at some of the designer uh, pieces. Mm-hmm. The price tags are outlandish. Mm-hmm. So on his feed, he showcased, for example, Seattle pastor Judah Smith's three thousand six hundred dollar Gucci jacket. <laughs> wow, three thousand six hundred dollar Gucci jacket. That's like my entire closet, maybe. You don't even need a jacket when you're preaching. <laughs> Man. That's just right. style. Or Dallas Pastor T.D. Jake's $1,250 La Boutine fanny pack? La, La, La Boutine. I, <laughs> I don't know what that is. I don't he have w- that. He wears a fanny pack when he preaches? Well, he wore it somewhere. I don't know. I don't know where it was. was but there's a say, picture of it. you carrying it? Yes. Wow. Or Miami Pastor Guillermo Maldonado. It's Maldonado. Halo. <laughs> Halo. <laughs> <laughs> he was wearing a $2,541 Ricci crocodile belt. Hmm. Belt? Yeah. That's an accessory. I mean, well, I mean, if he's... Yeah. I don't have hips, so if I don't wear a belt, <laughs> it's going to be a different kind of show here. <laughs> but you a $2,500 belt. So... Randa says, Brian, maybe he has an outside job. And you you mentioned a name that's familiar to me, so it brings up one of my questions. I know 
because you hear about him all the time. I don't know the other guys. T.D. Jakes, for example. We know he's a well-published author. A lot of his books do well. Is it bad? Like, you know, that's not from his offerings. It could very well be, no, I got my books and they're doing well. Sure. So I can buy $3,000 jackets, right? My money. Sure. Uh, <laughs> it's not offering and, and it's not necessarily from my congregation. So let's just say Rick Warren was going to come over and be on the show from California Saddleback. Yeah. Uh, he's made gobs of money on yeah. his book, Purpose Driven Life. And so if he rolls up in a Lamborghini with the top down and like fake teeth, you know, it's all white, yeah. Yeah. a $3,000 jacket to be in an interview, you're going to be like one of God's people. And if, if I don't have that opinion, is it a reflection on him or on me? Yeah. Am I being jealous? Yeah, of- that's what I'm saying. I'm not jealous. That's a good question yeah. because I'm not jealous. But what I'm saying is why why does he have a limitation? And don't say me because we're on Moody. Mm-hmm. Let's say my sister. She loves the Lord. She doesn't have a limitation. She, you know, like if her business goes well and she can buy a big old house, how come that's not looked down on? And T.D. Jakes has great books or Rick okay. Warren. Well, let's keep going because he's asking these same – remember, this is an average guy in his couch in Dallas. Okay. So he's asking the same questions we are. Okay. By, by the way, he considers Paula White a content goldmine for preachers and sneakers. He posted oh, wow. a photo of her once wearing $785 Stella McCartney sneakers. Who's Stella McCartney? Is that like Paul McCartney's cousin or something? <laughs> Child, maybe. <laughs> Who Stella knows? McCartney. There's no question now that we know nothing about fashion on this. <laughs> there right. it is. Fashion designer. Wow, we are lost. <laughs> so as the, as the Instagram account grew, according to the Washington Post, Kirby started asking more serious questions about wealth, class, and consumerism, including whether it's appropriate to generate massive revenue from selling the gospel of Jesus. Quote, I began asking, how much is too much? Is it okay to get rich off of preaching about Jesus? Is it okay to be making twice as much as the median income in your congregation? So do you see what he's saying? He's saying it's not just that they've got a side job. Yeah. If your side job is, I wrote a great book about Jesus. Yeah. yeah. And now I have millions of dollars in a $2,000 belt. Is that okay? Is that okay? Because at the end of the day, if you're a worship leader and you're a pastor— your income is essentially, b- biblically speaking, as, as the, it talks about, you know, you shouldn't muzzle an ox while thre- threshing. And mm-hmm. like, you should be able to provide for, Paul talks about, provide for pastors, be generous. But should you be, should you be getting rich off of the gospel? Naked Millersburg, what are your thoughts? Well, I have a lot of thoughts about this, <laughs> and it sort of makes me angry to see to see people profiting off of the gospel that way, but my my main thought, my main point right now is uh, regarding regarding some pastors who who do publish books and have a lot of income that way. Yes, that's income that's aside from from preaching on Sunday morning and uh, doing church work, but they they would not have the book sales they do if it wasn't for the platform that the church and the ministry has already provided. Right, probably true. Yeah. Which is at its core again. The gospel. Mm-hmm. They're profiting off of the message of Jesus Christ that they have been given the gift to, in some way, articulately share, right? Yeah. And it's, it's almost a conflict of interest. You know, if, if you, I don't know, Brian or Janelle, like if, if you used your, 
uh, your notoriety from being on the radio to push and sell some other product that was yeah. outside of, you know, I'm, yeah, you know, there's there's issues there, and when you when you bring it down to to something a little more personal, it's like, yeah, that does look kind of bad. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, the, and I'm very excited. You think I have notoriety? <laughs> this is like a big deal. I, 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 I mean, wish I knew how to leverage. Let's be honest, that. Brian. You're you're a household name in the Northeast Ohio Christian oh, retail market. I don't know about that. You could be Janelle's, notorious but, DDG. <laughs> Stop. I'm, <laughs> Brian, I'm I'm barely I'm barely a household name in my own house. Like my my kids don't Trust even me, bro. get my name right. I got the same like, problem. Last night he called me grandpa. Oh wow. You know, and you know, so bad. too much time at grandma and grandpa's when you call me grandpa no you're mixed up i was driving anyway, my, my daughter somewhere she's like hey yeah you know i think my, my sister and mom and i should go on a little vacation i go hey what about dad you don't, don't you want you don't want a daddy daughter vacation she goes no no <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i get that good points nick i always appreciate hearing from you in, in millersburg thanks for the call we're trying to process this whole thing of celebrity pastors wearing excessively expensive things and even down to the the grassroots level the the perception of wealth off of the gospel that some pastors can portray now what's interesting is the article points out that it's certainly possible that they've been gifted mm-hmm. these items yeah. yeah yeah does that change your opinion you like, want for, my answer yeah like somebody let's say somebody gave pastor Judah Smith a $3600 Gucci jacket Wow. I would immediately say, do you mind if I sell this and get <laughs> yeah. 25 other jackets that are more appropriate? <laughs> yeah, wow. I mean, wouldn't yeah. you have to wonder, man, it's so generous of you, but I don't know if I should wear that. If you're going to accept it, I again, I think there would be room to then be sensitive about where you wear it. What I don't like about that is... Okay, so what are you going to do if you like run into someone at the store? It's the feeling of, am I the same person you see at church that I am in my regular life? I don't like the... Dichotomy. Yeah, I don't like that. So be who mm-hmm. you are. I, w- I don't want to hide. If I have a BMW, feel like I have to hide it. Right. So yeah, I would have. I could see having issues accepting the gift. That's just... But yeah. then, you know, I, I look at the early church in the book of Acts. One of the first disputes is like... Uh, that there's a dispute among different races uh, or ethnicities of widows getting the proper di- distribution and help because they're poor. Uh, I don't remember a passage about someone going, oh, Peter's doing a great job. Somebody get him a gold-plated chariot. Yeah. He right. needs one when he's going from place to place. And there's a story of the um, Simon the sorcerer who came up to the apostles and said, you know, show me how you do these miracles. And, you know, I want to do it he was offering him money and they're like, no, your money perish with you because he, he knew he could have made a lot more money That's right. if he had their miracle ability. Great example. Well, then there's Ananias and Sapphira. You could look up that story if you're not familiar with it, where they were holding back some of their income mm-hmm. uh, and lied about it because they wanted the money. And they both bit, bit the dust because of that. Yeah. David, what are your thoughts on this? Well, first of all, I appreciate the time. I wanted to say Rick Warren on Purpose Driven Life, you guys had mentioned that earlier, had donated all the profits from that book yeah. away. So it's it's an interesting heart matter, which it's always comes down to our, as Christians, how we judge people, right? We don't know their hearts. We know about uh, Pastor Dollar down south who raised a bunch of money, you know, to buy a jet for his congregation. Well, and the irony of his name, even, it's like, yeah. what? Yeah. 
Yeah, <laughs> right. right. Sorry, I don't know I if that was a given name or not. And then you hear about uh, Stephen Furyk down there with Elevation Church who built a $1.6 million home, and he came under criticism. And he came out and said that he made, as you guys were referencing, he made all that profit from the books. And then I agree with the one, that platform, as the last caller said, did he get that from selling it? I think the one thing on the egos of these guys that become bigger than life, one thing, you're standing on a platform. I've always felt this is ironic. Like you're standing on a platform looking down on the congregation, speaking to everybody and where their egos go, and they're all looking to them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the one thing that really reminded me of that attitude is when these pastors say, hey, I'll send you a signed book. Oh, wow, that's a lot more value when you sign a book for me. And, and that always hit me funny. And I remember going to Charles Stanley's church down south in Atlanta with my wife one time, and there was a line probably of 100 people standing who wanted their book signed. Mm. So some of this is the people putting them in that level, and then how do they accept that um, and are able to handle it. So it's all about humility from my perspective. We do contribute to that phenomenon in some way as well, and that's that's a convicting point. I appreciate that point, David. Um, I was going to say something to him. That senior moment here. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> it's strange for someone as young as I am to have that. <laughs> but thank you, David. Appreciate the call. Steve, what are your thoughts? It's very interesting um, this conversation, but I, I believe that everybody have a bend in them. And the Word of God said, what profits a man to gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Yeah, amen. And I think it blankets everyone. Hmm. So we examine ourselves and if we're using the ministry, the gospel, to profit, you know, that's saying something about our, our, you know, what's inside of us, what's driving us. Right. But anyway, I don't, I don't have anything bad with, with the um, ministers, because I, I served under two ministers, and one worked and provided for his family, he had six kids, and then he retired and he was more dedicated to the service of the church. But I've always been under pastors that work, so that's all I can see, is that the congregation gave what they could, and they accepted that, but the ministry was just phenomenal. Steve, I I appreciate your comments on that, and I think that's the heart of many pastors, and you're right, it is a hard issue, which I know what I was going to say now. It's I think Rick Warren was the one who who pioneered the, the, the trend among Christian wealthy, to be a reverse tither, yeah, where you you tithe ninety percent and keep ten percent. Mm-hmm. That's I think indicative of a, of a heart issue. Bren in North Canton, what are your thoughts? I just think that there's a, a couple other pieces that I'm not sure got mentioned. One is representation. So I'm a teacher, and I work in a good suburban school, and there's an expectation for what kind of car I'm able to drive, how professionally I dress. When I represent that community who pays me very well, there's an expectation there that I don't show up looking as if, you know, I'm making (laughs) minimum wage, (laughs) but that I'm strongly supported by my generous public that pays for, through their taxes, for my my salary. So there's an expectation, I think, with some of these megachurches and when they have a high-profile, quote, celebrity preacher, there's an expectation of what that person looks like. But I ultimately think it's about the fact that we can't judge what God gives others to steward. 
as long as those people, if they have an excess of money or are using that money to give to others and do other things with it. And as long as it's not, you know, in the scripture, like the rich man who, you know, we're not going to get through it. You know, you might as well thread that, needle. you know, you're not going to do it. If it's, if your focus is on your money and your wealth. You know what? You bring up an, an, an excellent point that, um, and it's Bren, right? From, Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, North Oh, wonderful. North Canton. Okay. So th- there's a portion of the article in the Washington Post on this that we didn't highlight that actually points out that D.L. Moody kind of changed the way evangelists and preachers dress in his time. Yeah. He uh-huh. went from wearing like vestments, you know, like a, a pastorly garb to wearing a business suit. And one of the reasons uh-huh. he did it is because as part of his fundraising and his evangelism efforts, he connected with really famous rich people like uh-huh. Pullman, who created the Pullman train car. And then there was uh, Marshall Field, who ended up being uh-huh. that, you know, that huge wealthy guy with all the department stores and such. Uh-huh. And so he did that so that he wouldn't look silly with them like he would almost like just try to fit in a little bit better and i think that's kind of what you're implying right Mm -hmm. and the representation by those who are paying your salary yeah they want to show their generosity through what that person has in that you know we don't pay our person you know twenty thousand dollars a year we pay him more plus he has his own income Mm-hmm. I personally, my husband and I have discussed it. If I look at a pair of shoes or even a pair, whatever it is, I personally, with the stewardship that God's given me as a teacher, I don't look at anything with a big price tag. But if God had given me more, would I still look at it the same way? Hmm, I don't know. That's <laughs> a really good you know, question. That's a question. And as I was thinking about this today, I, I'm generally uncomfortable with what, what I'm seeing on that on that, uh, that Instagram account. I'm just like, eh, mm-hmm. I'm very uneasy. And so, uh, w- one of the reasons for that, and I, I'd love your take on this is I think there's a difference between fashion and extravagance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think what you're talking about is being like put together, fitting in right. and mm-hmm. that versus like, check out my 12 carat diamond ring yeah. students. I, you know, yeah, no. I, <laughs> right. Right. And, there and, has to be some sense to it as well, as Janelle said. You know, you have to have some common sense on who you're representing, where you're representing. Yeah, because, you know, we, I mean, we shouldn't look like, um, and, and forgive me if this is offensive to someone, but homeless people ju- just because we right. follow Jesus. Now, right. I, I, I think there's biblical backing for that. Ecclesiastes 9, 7, and 8 says, so go ahead, eat your food with joy and drink your wine with a happy heart, for God approves of this. Wear fine clothes with a splash of cologne. Like, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's fine. You can look nice. There's nothing wrong with looking nice. But I also know that we are people, uh, and and this is where, for me, it's more of a 30,000-foot scriptural view, not a passage itself, where I would say, time and again, a priority is given to caring for the poor and the destitute over and over and over again. In fact, the first dispute in the church was how to properly care for widows who were destitute. And so if we're wearing a $3,000 jacket, I'm not certain that communicates that we care deeply for the poor and the destitute, as we were called to do. I think it might be communicating an overall message that isn't in, quite in line with where our heart is supposed to be. However, I've read books by T.D. Jakes about how to get your life together, how to, you know, put God first. Yeah. So I, I look for him, you're right, to see what does success look like. Um, but if we, you know, we're looking from our salaries and what 3000 might look like, but let's say someone has in the millions, for them, they give 
a lot to charity, but they still have a lot that God's given them to be left over. So how they spend that, like Janelle said, well, then, okay, then wear it when you're going to, you know, make some, you know, promotions or something for your church where that's expected. But maybe not, but maybe the congregation dresses like that, too, and they want you to be representative of what what they look like. Yeah, and, you know, I I feel comfortable with the idea of uh, a minister of the gospel living like the average person in their congregation. And I guess, depending mm-hmm. on where you are, that's relative. Yeah. However, at some right. point though, I, I would say to myself, okay, does a pastor need a $1 million house or would $350,000 house suffice? How about 250,000? Like most people in most communities, you could live in a really nice community and a nice home and be very comfortable with a home that's $200,000. But 1.5 million and like six bathrooms and 12 cars, it's like, no, I don't know how I feel about that when tithes are the source of your income. So, okay, so then what about T.D. Jakes and the others who are published authors? It's, you know, they're they're actually making and that money outside of the church. Are, are they using that home? Like, we just bought a home, and it's a lot more than what you're saying. It has five bathrooms but and a theater room, but we're using it. Once COVID's up for outreach, you know, we want to have missionaries stay (laughs) in one of our rooms. You know, my mother-in-law who had COVID and she's been living with us since November. And we feel very blessed that God's given us the means to have the home that then can be open to Christian studies and welcoming missionaries in to stay or in-laws or parents that, you know, need help. We feel very blessed. It's, It's a little overwhelming. You look around and you go, this is for us. Oh but, sure, no, and God—it sounds like God's blessed you. But yes, here's the yes. here's the core question, though, because there's no doubt there were wealthy people in the scriptures that invited Jesus to their right. home, and and there's nothing wrong right. with being wealthy at all. Yeah. Uh, but are do you all work in ministry? My husband is a, a on the side works in ministry as a music leader and a and a um, Sunday school teacher, but he doesn't get paid. Yeah, but I'm talking but, about you know, like vocationally. Are you in, in no, nonprofit ministry? No, and no. I I think there could be a difference there. Is all all I'm implying. It's like, should the apostles have walked around with the most expensive robes while they ministered to the poor, or is it fine for them to hang out with the wealthy and minister to them too? I think there's a distinct difference yeah, between someone who is employed by the the proclamation That's of the gospel right. message yeah. and someone who's wealthy because the Lord's blessed them in their area of trade. That's fantastic. And the, the the fact that you guys have a beautiful home and all that, and it sounds like you're using it for God's kingdom, God bless you for it. Sure. Yeah. He loves you just as much as he loves somebody uh, who's struggling to make ends meet. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So God bless you for yeah, that. It's, just, it's a complex, it's a complex subject, and um, we just can't know the heart of people. But, you know, I'm on, I'm with you too, though. I don't, I don't buy <laughs> clothes. I'm pay less too. So, you know, it's, <laughs> yeah. I, I, you know, we, we chose to use our money where we could be of service, which is hospitality. And I right. think so. that's the heart of Christ in you is what that is then. So, Bren, you have been so much fun putting up with me. <laughs> Can I send you a fourth edition, Brian and Janelle, I'm in the family Tumblr, courtesy of Edgewater Investment Group? Sure, I would love that. Fantastic. Okay, so that would be fun. I, I think we ought to send her one. She, she oh, put yeah. up with them. She was there. good. I know. She made some excellent points. Yeah. She did. did, and one of the things that she made me think about, and I was thinking about it yesterday, like, should we all have that kind of discretion, all of us? Like, is or is it just pastors? You know, and then where is the line? I think that, uh, you know, I think the line is between fashion and extravagance. 
she even, with much wealth, Bren, is still going to pay less. That's okay. She doesn't want it. She might still buy the expensive pair of shoes there, but there's extravagance is easy to spot. Yeah. And I think that's not reflective of the way we're supposed to live as followers of Christ. Yeah. Not that we're supposed to be uncomfortable or dirty yeah. or, you know, like unkept or torn clothing, but extravagance appears to me to be a problem. Paul from Stowe, what are your thoughts? I feel the same way, I think, as Brian does. I mean, uh, I, and I always look back to Billy Graham. And if you look at the, his history, he paid himself a salary that didn't exceed, I think it was 80 80,000 or 75,000 at the time. You which, know, which was a good salary at the time, by the yeah. way. Well, it was, but it wasn't. He was like the, you know, highest executive in that organization, if you want to put it that way. And I, I hear that a lot from pastors a lot of times. You know, well, you have to pay me good because I, uh, I could make more money outside of the church, but that's not the issue. And the other thing is there's... You know, we look at the Amish, and we, we put them up on a pedestal, right? A lot of people go like to go down there and visit that area and everything. These guys, they all dress the same, and a lot of them have a lot of money, enough money to buy some of these people. And when you hear about some of these big-time preachers and the houses they live in and stuff, I I, I just, like you say, that money's made off of the tithe and uh and I, I, I don't see that as, as being right in, uh, to make that kind of money off the gospel. I mean, freely you have received, freely give, you know? Yeah. I challenge folks to read through 1 Corinthians 9, where Paul specifically addresses the fact that he was not taking a salary from the Corinthians and the reasons for that. But in 2 Corinthians 1.17, check out this passage. Here's what Paul writes. You see, we are not like the many hucksters who preach for personal profit. We preach the word of God with sincerity and with Christ's authority knowing that God is watching us. Mm. So, (laughs) could a pastor wearing a $3,000 Gucci belt preach on this passage? You see, we're not like the many hucksters who preach for personal profit. We preach the word of God with sincerity and with Mm. Christ's authority, knowing that God is watching us. I'm not sure you could wear your $1,000 Jordans. Yeah. And preach on that passage. Could you? I mean, you could, but... Yeah. I couldn't. <laughs> I feel like I'd, I, I would feel convicted yeah. doing that. Yeah. Now, not that you can't have a nice pair of shoes, yeah. but I think the point being so often Jesus had a tender heart for the those who were on the margins of society and those who were poor and destitute. James calls us again and again to care for the poor. Get yourself a nice pair of shoes and then take the $900 that are left yeah. and help feed some orphans. That's, I think, the heart of Christ. The extravagance ought to be in how we love our neighbor as Christ loves us. Yeah. Because the love of Christ is truly extravagant. Yeah. When, when you think about the idea that we're wicked sinners and our thoughts, words, and deeds are offensive to the creator of the world who's perfect, and he sent his son to die for us anyway so that we could live in eternity. Right. That's extravagant love. And isn't that the point of scripture? I was talking about caring for the poor or whatever, but what is that? It's not about the poor. It's about extravagant love for others. Right. It's about being demonstrators of the extravagance of God's love and grace to others. And I'm not certain that the $3,000 jacket communicates extravagant love to others. Yeah. I think it communicates extravagant love for 
itself. Mm-hmm. You're about to get a whole lot of calls. <laughs> you think so? I think so. Because, but again, I appreciate what people have said in terms of, well, who are we to judge? Because it's a hard thing. God knows. And you know. Can't but you also help. know someone's heart by their fruit. Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to give, like, benefit of the doubt. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. And so I guess, bottom line, be extravagantly generous to the men and women who serve in your church for the sake of the gospel and be extravagant, whether you're them or not, in your love for others because Christ was that way with you. Yeah. But be cautious about how you display your own extravagance for yourself. I feel like it's a pretty safe biblical message. Yeah. Yeah. Good job. Yeah. Save all that extra money for your retirement and then go crazy when you're not preaching anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hey, hold up. Where are you going? You know you liked your time with us. You want more. So look down, hit that button right there, subscribe, and you'll get updated episodes, and then you can hang some more. And guess what? You can help us. How? A five-star rating. You can also hang with us live weekday 6 to 9 a.m., interact with us, talk with us, download the Moody Radio app. Or at brianandjanelle.org. And we don't put all this together all by ourselves. There's some great people behind all this production. We want to thank Ron Eastwood, Kelly Ryder, Paul Carter, Mike Reynolds, and our awesome and fearless leader, Josue Villa. And finally, this podcast is a production of Moody Radio in Cleveland, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute. Well, Brian, that's a wrap. Yep.